All right, so if you have your Bibles, please turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, please stand with me if you're able to. We also are going to have communion at the end, as you see. We have communion typically on the first Sunday of each month. Okay, are you guys okay? I know. Is it getting warmer? It's going to get warmer today. We have the skylights here, so it's going to warm up, especially in, in here. You guys are all right? All right. If we got to turn on the AC, you let someone know. Romans 12, we are going to start at verse 9. Romans 12, at verse 9, it says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Father, we thank you. Thank you again for your holy word. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us. And as we discuss giving, Lord, you're the giver. You gave your only son, Jesus, as a proof of your love to us. You keep giving. Jesus, you're still our eternal priest in the heavenlies right now, our great high priest holding heaven open, sort of capturing up our prayers so we could pray to the Father through you. You're still giving. You're still ministering. Help us, Lord. Help us in our selfishness. Help us, Lord, to have brotherly love. Help us, Jesus, to declare you as Lord. It says here, serving the Lord. We want to serve you. We want to stop serving ourselves. We want to stop being so selfish. He said, if anyone wants to be your disciple, to come after you, you tell us. In Luke 9, verse 23, you say, deny selves. And to take up our cross daily. And then we can follow you. That's our problem, Lord. We want to embrace self. We've been taught to do that by Satan and the world. And yet you tell us to die to selfishness, die to self, die to our selfish desires. God, we need your help. We need your strength. We ask that you would empower each of us here. And again, Father, you are the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Father, please have mercy on those that need mercy right now in their lives, in their marriages, in their families. Comfort each of us, Lord, through the Comforter. Send your Spirit. Minister to us, we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. You guys can have a seat if you would. So perhaps you heard just a couple days ago, last Thursday, or last, yeah, last Thursday was published, I'm going to display it here on the screen. But on Tuesday, in the, what we call, City of Brotherly Love, a.k.a. what? Philadelphia. That's what Philadelphia means. The City of Brotherly Love. Fox News reported. Here's the headline. Philadelphia swarmed by alleged juvenile looters targeting the Apple Store. Lulu, Lululemon, is that how you pronounce that? Or is it Lululemon? Lululemon. I ask people. Lululemon, Foot Locker, and others. Philadelphia police responded to reports of widespread looting on Tuesday night. 
So it goes on to say in report, Philadelphia police responded to popular retailers like the Apple Store, Lululemon, and Foot Locker after they were allegedly being ravaged by swarms of looters taking over the city of brotherly love. They actually put it that way. City of brotherly love, Tuesday evening. At about 8 p.m. Tuesday, police responded to reports of large crowds of juveniles allegedly looting stores in the center city business corridor of the 9th District. Again, Fox News, you guys could check out that website. This is just days ago that this got reported and published. And this all happened in the, we, we call, City of Brotherly Love. And this is one of the things I want to touch upon with you and I here today. So in Romans chapter 12, the actual word, brotherly love, or Philadelphia, is the word that Paul had used here. If you compare, Compare it, though, to what's being reported in, the, in America, at least, the actual city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. That's not very Philadelphian, is it? To just loot and ravage a store. Anybody think it is? I don't think so. I'm sure the looters was like, yes, God loves me. Look at all the stuff I got. No, that's wrong. Think of how that sounds, though. This all happened in the city of brotherly love. That's not very brotherly, is it? What would you think? Someone comes to your house, they start, you know, they don't wait for you to open the door. They just smash down the door, loot and grab your stuff. Like, wait, wait, wait a second. What are you doing? That's not very brotherly, is it? And that's also not very loving, is it? And yet, that's actually what happened. Well, what do I know? If things don't change in the city of brotherly love in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, maybe they should change their name. Maybe I'm just too crazy to think like that. That's the way it's being reported right now. And this is not just a one-off thing. This is something that the radical left, especially like the woke, woke news media, some of them won't report on this. Why? They don't want you to know this is happening. Any of you guys know this is happening in our city right now too? Is that any of you guys? This is actually happening in New York City. But I find that it's awesome that the Lord tells us here in Romans chapter 12 to be these certain ways that we're reading about now. As we strategically get to chapter 12, after going through these 11 chapters where we're learning that all of us are sinners, right? Romans chapter 3 teaches us. All of us now having Jesus as Messiah and as Savior who died. He paid for those sins. They're all dead and buried with him now. Now you and I have been justified through Christ. Is justified, never sinned. After learning these things, now in chapter 12 comes the application of all this. Like, whew, why did we get to there? <laughs> Weeks into this teaching series. And it's awesome that the Lord teaches us now, especially after telling us that as born-again Christians, and after telling us that we can now have spiritual gifts, now he teaches us how to apply this power that God gives you and I. And this power needs to be rightly applied. Make sense? Amen? And now this is what we find here as we open and read from verses 9 and on. Because along with the spiritual gifting that God can give and has given to you and I as born-again, spirit-filled Christians, along with that spiritual gifting comes a spiritual power. And the one that we are serving is who? We're serving Jesus, and he's our Lord. 
And it becomes this awesome experience that you and I have to go through. And each of us, you and I, we got to be careful about how we walk this walk. So if you and I are paying careful attention to each of these things that we do, that we're going to read about here in Romans 12, verses 9 and on, you and I are going to find that it's impossible for you to do these things. The sooner you know that it's impossible, the better off you'll be. Or else you're going to read verses 9 and on, really to the end of this book, chapter 13, or chapter 16, I'm sorry, is the end. And you and I are going to try to do that not through God's power and strength, but through ours. And what happens there? You get bummed out, and then you burn out, and then you drop out. Why? Because you're going to do it in your own strength. Anybody understand that? The better off, you'll be better off the earlier you know that. So the commands that God gives you and I, that once you get to chapter 12, verse 9 and on, look at the text within the context. This is why we must read, must study, it must be taught God's word contextually throughout the entire book. Amen? So that we can see the context. Because if we just take this as a principle, just what we just read and open up with and extrapolate that and try to apply it to a non-Christian or a new Christian, what will happen each and every time? Again, they'll get bummed out, they burn out, and then they drop out. And that's why the dropout rate for many Christians that have not been discipled is what? High. It skyrockets. Why? Because we're not reading, we're not getting fed and taught the entire Bible within its context. So once we get to here in verse 9 and on, you and I must understand that you and I are desperate to have God's power. Why? Or else you read verse 9 and on. That's why we want to slowly go through this. And today, God willing, maybe we'll finish a chapter. We can speed up a little more here. But we must understand it's God's supernatural power that you need to accomplish these things in this natural world that you live in amen that you need his supernatural super it's above it's not normal it's not indicative of something that emanates from this earth it says we say not of this world it's otherworldly it comes from heaven from the father through christ jesus to you and i that he gives he gifts you with this supernatural gifting and this power, he enables you so that you are able to do these things. And I need you to understand this. Or else you're going to read this and apply it. You may put it on a thing-to-do list. Any of you ever try to do those things-to-do lists with God? Come on, let's get real. My, okay, there's a couple of people that are real. <laughs> okay, A lot of times we might do this. And then you do it, you go through it, you walk through life in your own power and strength. Again, you get bummed out because you get frustrated. I can't do this. And then you get burnt out because you're, you're, it's like a car without gas. You're not moving forward. You get out, you, the car ain't moving. I'm going to get out. You got to invite friends. Come on, help me do what? Let me push this car. We got to get it moving. It's called ministry. It's my walk. And I start burning out. Why? Because I'm doing it in the strength of my flesh. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's just a matter of time. So people get bummed out, they burn out, and what happens after burnout? They drop out. We don't want that to happen. So as we move forward, just want to address that. As we move forward, we want to see a couple key things. So in this passage, God willing, I want to be able to give you two main keys. There's a bunch of things here, but two main keys 
that I think it'd be great for you and I to see. And we actually had it mentioned there. First key, if we could say so, is brotherly love. Let's read this again. Look at this in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with what? With brotherly love. Think about that. Now, that alone, you're going to fail if you try to do this in your strength. Some of us have tried to. Who here has tried to do that? You try to be loving. It's like, okay, you say it. I got to believe it. Where's my faith and trust? Mr. Preacher Man, Mrs. Preacher Man, whoever it is, says I got to have faith. I got to do this. And I'm going to convince myself. I'm going to wake up early after having slept enough, get my coffee on. If you're like how I used to, I'm not a coffee person anymore. Like two years ago, I quit coffee. I used to sit there. I was one of those guys that would think, okay, come talk to me after the second cup. Anybody else like that? (laughs) First cup, mm, don't talk to me yet. After the second cup, all right, rock on. Yes, Jesus is Lord, finally. Before that, it's like, oh, my flesh is Lord. No, (laughs) give me some coffee. Coffee in Christ, that's what I need. (laughs) It becomes an evil cycle that we go through. Anyhow, that aside, you and I will try to do this in the work of our flesh. And again, we're going to get bummed out burn out, and then drop out. But when you and I have brotherly love while serving the Lord, that's key. Think about that. Look at the page here with all these key, all, all these things through the lens of those keys, so to speak. First, brotherly love. I cannot, look at this here, at the end of verse 10, the second half of verse 10, in honor, giving preference to one another. All right. Anybody here ever drive a car? Who here drives a car? Who here has tried to drive a car in New York City? Okay, here you go. You're in traffic. <laughs> I saw a lot of this, by the way, in, um, in Manhattan, coming out of Manhattan um, <laughs> the other day. You know how the rain came down and the subways were flooded? You couldn't get on the L train, many of the trains. And just a short amount of time, we saw like people crowded underneath. It was getting hot and steamy. People like, looked down the tracks like, crowd complaining. I saw a lot of that. I'm like, God, my feet are hurting. Help me, God. And I started kind of getting fleshy in my thoughts. Like, God, I don't want to stand here. My feet were hurting bad. My ankles hurting. <laughs> and then we saw a lot of go come up on, out of the subway tunnel, and cars were just packed, buses. It was just really bad. Anybody was in Manhattan during that time? Some of you guys maybe? Okay. It was tough to get around during that time. And even some areas of Brooklyn were just really, really um, impacted by the traffic. So think about this. Whether you're on the bus or you're driving, in honor, giving preference to one another. It's not too common in New York City. You come out of New York City, and what do you find many times when it comes to the car? What do you not hear many times when it comes to your car? The horn. <laughs> we were in California not that long ago, and guess what we didn't hear? I think the entire time in California. I don't even think we heard one horn honk. You, we wouldn't even make it home. After we, we flew into the airport, um, you know, JP came to pick us up. Praise God for that. <laughs> as soon as we started coming around, we'll have some, <laughs> like, oh, welcome.
Welcome to New York City. Welcome back. In honor, giving preference to one another. I state that because it's pretty obvious to see the flesh. I remember when I moved here, uh, or actually when I first came, and also when I first moved here in February 2022, uh, with the pastors in California and Calvary Chapel that I was um, being kept accountable with, I would talk to them. And one of the things that they would ask is, so what are you finding there? They knew I was a missionary. It was like a cross-cultural mission I was being prepped on. You don't leave the United States, but when you come from comfy Orange County, California, to New York City, I remember being prepped. It's like a cross-cultural mission. I'm like, oh, I'll be fine. And there was a guy. I'm like, yeah, I'll be fine. I get here. It's so different here. <laughs> it's easy to see the flesh. All you got to do is walk down the street. <laughs> And you, it's everywhere. These outbursts of anger, wrath, it's so common. Even, I remember the sign, you go into Rikers Island, you see, um, I think they, for the cops, that are there, like, something like, New York City's boldest. I'm like, the way that they market their stuff, even to the cops, like, actually, that's called sin. <laughs> the way that, you know, yes, I'm so bold, so arrogant, so proud. Well, Jesus died for that sin. Think about that. Giving preference to one another. So, Christian, next time, maybe you're standing in line. Maybe you're driving or on the bus. And may the Lord speak to your heart about how you need to give preference to one another. But if you do this with your love, it ain't going to work, is it? But if you do this with God's love, notice it says here, this first start of verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with what? Look, only one person wants to state that. (laughs) With what? After the coffee. (laughs) Let's all say that again. Be kindly affectionate to one another with? That's better. Oh, that sounds nice. Can we say that one more time? Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Brotherly love. You, can, you almost hear a smile. You can imagine a smile behind your voices. In honor, it continues on, in honor giving preference to one another. So if you have this brotherly love, through Christ's strength and power he gives you through the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, you have access to be able to love one another with this type of love. So that you could do what? So that you can, it says here, honor and give preference to one another. So again, as we go through this, we're going to learn the text within the context. So by the time you get to verse 9, and you're starting to apply, after being empowered by the Spirit and given this spiritual gifting, this spiritual power flowing not just upon, but into and through you like living water, then you come to verse 9. Here's the application. Here's what you do now, Christian. You and I need to have this brotherly love. We need to be able to honor one another. Think about that person right now that the Holy Spirit's putting in your heart. Give you breathing room and time. The people, maybe. <laughs> if you're how I used to be. Not just a person. Come on, Drew. Let's get real. People, plural. Think about those people. The Holy Ghost is now speaking to your heart about putting into your mind reminding you oh that person cuts me off that person 
They disrespect me. All these things. And he's telling you to honor them. With what? With his brotherly love. He says, be kindly affectionate. Be kind to them. Be affectionate. Not like, I'm nice to me. Yes. <laughs> it says, kindly affectionate with brotherly love. In honor, you have to honor them. And what does he say? Give preference. Yeah. Oh, you go first. I find this working in a place in Manhattan that because you do see a lot of biblical principles, you in every company, in every store in, in New York City, you have customers. In every store in New York City, you have service. But not in every store in New York City do you find customer service. Anybody know that? <laughs> you have customers and you have service. Some companies you walk in, it's like, mm, I'm placing them back. Mm, go serve yourself. <laughs> right. Where's the customer service? You ring the bell, you call. Yeah, okay, fine. I'm going to be over here. I'm going to go in the back. You might find that with employees. And I find in a certain company that when you actually give custo- good customer service with a smile and you want the people there, you want to love them, you want to serve them, you're actually. I get to exhibit biblical principles. I'm like, that's so cool. We go to Bible study every day. And serving other employees, too. Getting to pray for people. That's like so awesome. You guys could do this wherever you are. Some of you do do that in the same company. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So you can give preference to one. Oh, that's okay. You go first. You know what I find just by simply doing that? Or maybe opening a door for someone? Whether or not they have a, a child or someone else? When you actually... In honor, you honor them, and you give preference to someone else. In New York City, where it's so rare, who here knows that good customer service is extremely rare in in New York City? You go to the suburbs. A lot of people want to live in the suburbs. No, Jesus brought you here and has you here. He didn't say, no, go where people are liking you, where they can worship you. No, the need is here. But if you can honor someone and give preference to them, serving them, loving them with brotherly love, you're going to find... That because it's so rare in New York City, they're going to see what? According to Colossians, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That alone might open the door for them to hear about Jesus Christ through your heart and lips. Because they see God's love. Does that make sense? You don't have to just preach it where they hear it. It's not just handing a tract. But you're showing them. Does that make sense? So in honor, giving preference to one another. Let's continue on. Not lagging in diligence. So just be diligent. With what? With this brotherly love. You see why this is a key? And Christian, if you're not a Christian, you know, pray and get saved. Give your heart, life to Jesus, who's your Messiah, who died on the cross for all your sins. Turn from your sins. And allow him, just like the caterpillar turned to the butterfly, allow him to transform you from within. And then you can have access to this love of God. And you have this brotherly love. And what does he want you to do with it? He'll tell you. Verses 9 and on. Continuing on. After you give honor and give preference to one another. Be diligent with it. Don't lag in diligence. Keep like, but they don't listen, God. But they're so sinful, God. Has anybody had that kind of prayer? I still go through that at times. Like, oh, oh, oh. I know, they're just like me. Okay, okay, fine. Fine, Father. Okay, ah, 
you're right. Ah, ah, I hate that you're always right, God, but you're always right. (laughs) Isn't that funny? That's how it is, right? So don't lag in being diligent with this brotherly love. Fervent in spirit. So how many of us like, oh, I just want to love you. I want to serve you. With this brotherly love. Fervent in spirit. Hot on fire is what it's speaking of, right? And notice the second key that I want us to see here. Serving the Lord. You see, you and I would be doomed if it just says serving people. Serving people in New York City that are only going to exhibit flesh. Even Christians. There's a lot of Christians I've seen. And I've been there many times, too, myself. That all you see once you you come out of a, a church building and all of a sudden, oh, da, 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 five minutes out, maybe people are like cursing up a storm. I've caught myself being stupid like that. Forgive me. But notice here, if I'm just serving people and I'm doing it in my strength, I'm going to fail. But I've got to know who I'm serving. Christian, who are you serving? What does it say there in the text? Let me focus back here. Oh, it won't click back. You know what we're looking at. Brotherly love is the first key in this paragraph, in this passage. The second one, know who you're serving. You're serving who? You're serving the Lord. Let me click back. No. There we go. Thank you. We'll leave it there. You're serving the Lord. A key is to remember that in verse 12, you and I are serving the Lord. Now, I like the fact that it doesn't say serving God. I like the fact that it doesn't say serving Yahweh, serving Jehovah, any of the names of God. Serving El Shaddai, God's God Almighty. I like the fact that it says serving the Lord. Why do you say that, Drew? Because Lord is indicative of a relationship. After all, if Jesus is your Lord, what are you then? We don't even want to shout it out. Shout it out. What are you if he's Lord? That means I've got to serve you, Lord? Yes. Notice the phrase just flows. Serving the Lord. Now, he's Lord. I'm servant. That means I serve him. Jesus, Messiah, my Lord. Now, who here has worked in a restaurant before? Okay, some of you guys have. You go to the table... I remember I used to work at a place called Claim Jumper, California. Hi, my name's Drew. I'm going to serve you this evening. Would you like some something to drink? Would you like me to tell you? Do you have any questions on the menu? I used to love that. Hi, my name's Drew. I'm going to be your server. Imagine going to a table, and you're serving the people, and they're telling you what to do, aren't they? This is one reason why people don't want to serve in a restaurant. Why? I don't want people telling me what to do. <laughs> they give me an order... Think about the terminology we use. It even tells you what you're doing. You're learning how to be a servant. I literally learned how to serve physical human beings by working in a restaurant for some years. And I applied biblical principles. I remember the Lord was discipling me. He's wanting me to, to one day actually follow him, serve him publicly more. But he's teaching me these Bible principles. I even told that to the management, to the staff. And praise God, through his grace, I actually got... Uh, I remember once I got like the employee of the month. And all the managers got together and they, they got to pick every year employee of the year. I, I got employee of the year one year. I'm like, wow, this is so cool. And I wanted to preach and share. The general manager at the time, Mitch Holt, he was actually a born-again Christian. And he would pour out to people. And I'm like, God, you're using that guy to convict my heart. 
I got employee of the year one year, and I, I remember thinking, like, wow, I don't really deserve this. And when I asked the managers, I remember my, my brother-in-law, my sister's uh, husband, he worked as manager of that, that restaurant. And he's like, bro, everybody voted for you for me. I'm like, what? He <laughs> said, I didn't want them to think just because I'm related to you. It's like, no, I want you to judge it honestly. But I learned how to serve people. I was serving someone bigger. It wasn't just the people in that restaurant. We had a lot of cranky people. We had people that would abuse the system. And I saw other wait staff. I said, like, don't, don't you know that guy comes in here all the time? He always orders a steak, eats half of it, and says he wants a refund. It, and some of you, okay, who knows what I'm talking about? You don't have to work in a restaurant. You can work in retail. It's like you see it all the time. I see it at a place where I'm working. And what do we want to respond with? Grace? Even if you have to grit your teeth, like, okay. <laughs> but if you know that you're serving the Lord... It changes things, doesn't it? Now, I could picture him, if you're working in a restaurant, I picture him being the one that's sitting there. I could be cleaning toilets. I remember uh, mowing the grass at my home in Cypress, California. And I had an old school mower. How many of you guys remember those non-electric, non-gas-powered mowers? Any of you guys remember that? We had the blades. It was old school. I mean, it was blades would turn. You have to take it to the shop to get sharpened. And it turned by what? By manpower. Not by willpower, by manpower. You're like, oh, And it gets stuck, and you knew you had to change the blades. And, I, and that's like the thing that my mom gave me. Until one day, we found, and my mom bought the electric one. I'm like, yes, it's cool. Long time ago. <laughs> but I remember having to mow the lawn. My point is, I could do the most menial task. I still do this. I still think like this. I told this to some employees in a place where I work. I'm thinking the next person coming in here is Jesus, so I want to clean this place. I'll do that. I'll clean the, the, the bathrooms, the toilets sometimes. And some people are like, oh, I don't want to do that. You know, some crack fiends come in here, they get their, their pipes, and they throw their needles, and it's like, oh, I don't want to touch that. I don't go to the customer bathroom. An employee one. It's like, okay, I'm serving Jesus. And that's my thought. And that's, I pray as I do that. You know what happens with the time? It just passes by. Why? I'm applying the same principle. I'm serving the Lord. I do the same thing here. I have to or else I'm not going to last. I wouldn't last these 22 years I've been here. And these, these past years and decades, I've seen a lot of people come into the ministry and fall and fail or just get bummed out and go home. Now, I'm not talking about just this church. That'll happen. Why? Because sometimes we're being sustained through the strength of our flesh. It's not the Holy Spirit. So Christian, I'm talking to born-again Christians, especially the servants of this church, consider that when you're applying these things in Romans or anywhere else in the Bible, that you're serving not just people, you're serving who? You're serving the Lord. So if you can see that you're serving Jesus, he's the one that died for these people that you're serving. You need to keep looking outward and upward to God, Amen. Because if all you do is you look at people, you're going to see just like you see your own self. And don't you see your own sin on other people? Isn't that the thing that frustrates you? Because there's a principle, isn't there? Your sin always looks worse on other people. Who here understands that? And your, your eyes and your heart, your understanding is open to seeing someone else's sin. Why? Because A, number one, God just delivered you from that. That's a principle, 2 Corinthians 1. You always hear me mention and quote it. God's the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He's going to comfort you. Why? 
Because later on, he's going to comfort someone else through you. Pointing them to the same God of all comfort. That's, he's got to get your heart to have empathy, compassion on other people. So you're going to see other people's sin. Why? Number one, he just delivered you. Why do you still see it in other people? Number two, because he's still dealing with it with you. How many of you understand that? You're better off if you can confess that. Because you're going to see someone just like you, and you're not open to it if you haven't been delivered. They'll be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Just how I was and how you were. And then when God matures you past the baby bottle on that principle, he's going to open up your understanding. And it's going to get so frustrating, isn't it, Christian? How many of us know that? It was once he heals you, once he rescues you, once he delivers you from something he just did. Like it could be hours ago. And all of a sudden you see it in someone else. It seems so frustrating when you see it in someone else. But the day before, you didn't see it. A year before, you didn't understand or see it. Who here knows that? So you've got to guard your heart, don't you? So you're going to see someone else's sin. Why? Because it was your sin that he once delivered you from. But again, your sin always looks worse on someone else, doesn't it? Again, who, who knows that? Your sin always looks worse on someone else. So when Jesus rescues you out of whatever that principle is, whatever that sin is, and every day he's trying to deal with at least one thing. And you might sit there and go, God, it feels like I always get that same type of person or these certain types of people in my life, no matter where I go. They're in my family, they're in my neighborhood, they're at my work, they're at the grocery store, they're everywhere I go. I get the same type of problematic person in my life. I have the same issue. I don't understand it. I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting angry, God. Why is it the same kind of person always just gets in my face or gets under my skin? Has that ever happened to any of you guys? Okay, then at this juncture, I need to tell you, God is giving you a test. Ah, you're the test recipient. Guess what, test recipient? You haven't passed the test yet. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit is going to try to deal with one issue at a time. And that's why you're seeing it all over the place. I know, I'm going to move from New York City. I've heard so many people say that. My own thought, my own evil flesh try to think these kinds of things. And I'm reminded of someone like Jonah. God said, go up this way. He's like, no, I'm going that way. It's going to be expensive, a long boat ride, and I'm going to endanger the lives of many people. (laughs) He couldn't run away from God. So no matter where you go, guess who you're still stuck with? Don't say Jesus. You're still stuck with who, Christian? Point. Well, there we go. Rumi got it right. Who are you still stuck with? Come on, everybody point. Some of you guys are too embarrassed. <laughs> no matter where you run, you're still stuck with you. So, Christian, that's perhaps why you might see these things in your problematic people that you encounter. It's like, I can't have brotherly love because this person... And oh, every time I go to work, now I want to quit my job because that person's always there. They say good morning, I'm like, I'm going to angry, I want to push them. Not a good morning. That'll happen, maybe. Or you go see your, your neighbor, it's like, okay, I know their pattern. I'm not going to go out during this time because I've got to do what? i got to say hi. <laughs> got to interact with them. i got these interpersonal problems. Well, Christian, I would say that's a sign of an 
unhealed heart. It could be that the master tester is giving you a test. You're the test recipient. You keep getting that problematic person or these problematic people in your life. You can't just pray up to the Father. God, can you just kill them and remove them? No, that doesn't work. That's not a good prayer request. (laughs) And I know some of you may have tried. I don't know. Just so crazy to think. Don't ask God to remove them because it could be that God purposed that as they're going through whatever kind of healing in their lives, God is using them to come to you. He's got to reveal so he can heal. Make sense, Christian? Please accept that. Please accept that. Okay? So they need to be done with God's love, this brotherly love that he's going to first give to you. Yeah, fellowship with him. And then we practice here within God's church. And know who you're serving. You're serving the Lord. And as these problematic people or that problematic person, let me give us some air time for you to think of the one person or the people, plural, that God has brought into your life. The Holy Spirit's reminding you, isn't he? Isn't he? <laughs> so <if> you <laughs> it's happening. And I'm just wanting to be a vessel used by the Holy Spirit to show you that. God loves you, but he also loves them. And could it be by having you empowered by his spirit that you're having this brotherly love with them, that you're mindful that you're serving the Lord. You're not just serving a human being. You're serving the Lord, the one who loves them and gave his son, Jesus, to die for them. By serving the Lord and serving these people that he's put in your path that are still there, not avoiding them, not running away from the interpersonal problems that we all have, but by doing it with the grace and strength that God has given you, guess what you'll have? That true Christian victory. Victory in Christ that we all want. Who here wants victory in Christ? Glory, hallelujah. Victory in Christ. Notice it's in Christ, though. It's not victory in your flesh. It's not, I'm so strong. I can do, I will survive. I've got a song. No. <laughs> they play that at the store. Man. You see people like going down the aisle. <laughs> it's funny. I'll like, you know, go up to someone. Oh, I see you like that song. I'm like, no. <laughs> Certain songs just invoke emotion in people, right? <laughs> I will survive. Was it Gloria Gaynor? Did it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you could have victory in Christ is not in the strength of your power. It's not in your willpower. But notice, you're serving the Lord. We're just going to have to pause at this verse. I'll close up here. <clears throat> we'll get into this later on, the, the rest of the verses here. But just know, Christian, that you're serving the Lord. So next time you have that pesky person or those people, Hopefully you'll remember this. Not remember me, not remember my words, but these principles that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you through Romans 12. This is, mark my words here. This is not a prophecy. This is, I just know how the Holy Spirit works with born-again Christians. You'll remember verse, or, uh, Romans 12, and you'll ask him, hopefully ask him, God, give me the strength so I can 
have brotherly love with that person or these people. And I'll just try to run from them. Because why? I'm serving you, Jesus, your Lord. And yes, you love me. I thank you for that. But you also love them. And how else are they going to know God's love unless his ambassador, you, me, are used by God, empowered by his spirit to represent him? Not running away, because Christian, there's a great chance that those people in your life right now that you think are so annoying, they have someone anointed that God has picked in place in their life. Guess who that person is? Point. You got it right. (laughs) Is that right? Who's the anointed person that you think is annoying that God wants to use as his ambassador to represent him. Point, Christian. I'm going to point. I'm the one. And so this will empower you in your prayer life, in your relationship with the Lord Jesus, if he's Lord. If he's just, ah, I just want to die and go to heaven. I want my fire insurance. Well, maybe you're not saved. You've got to keep following him. As what? As your Lord. That's why we want to grow forward. Don't just go forward. Don't just move forward. Grow forward, right? As you do, knowing that you serve Jesus as Lord, he's going to reveal one issue, one thing, one heart issue, a heart healing at a time. So if you're like how I used to be in my worldliness, I still find I've got to constantly rebuke that out of myself. Lord Jesus, you are Lord. And I can't just keep running away from my problems. I can't just try to, and my problems I think are, are the people. Anybody find that they, they might look at that as other people's like, oh, that's my problem. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, you're the problem. <laughs> because you're the one that's saved, they're not. Or you're the one that matured in this principle, they still have not. And I love you, but I am the God of all comfort. I'm the Father of mercies. I gave you mercy. I gave you comfort. Second Corinthians chapter 1, this is the principle. Your eyes are open to this now. They're blind. They're deaf to it. But they need someone that has understood that I'm the Father of mercies, I'm the God of all comfort, I've comforted you so that you, being anointed by me, you think it's annoying, now you know what I have to go through when I had mercy, when I had grace with you. Oh, Father, I feel like crying now. Because he breaks me. Let him break you in that. So now you can be an agent of his mercy, of his comfort, showing brotherly love to someone else. Because why? Because you're serving the Lord. You're not just serving them. You're always going to see that someone that's annoying, aren't you? Anybody understand that? And that's why if you come to that conclusion, your first thing in the flesh, in Adam, in the old ways, again, the caterpillar, not the butterfly, your first thing might be to run away. But as a Christ follower, you can't. Because you know when you run away, he's going to send like two more after you then. <laughs> what? I thought I had to quit this job and get that job, and now, oh, I've got to quit this job again. And God's like, just quit running. Because no matter where you go, you're stuck with you. Okay? So he's a test giver. Some of you have been going through tests. Who here knows that God's testing you? He's probably speaking to you right now. Okay, look at this. A bunch of you guys, more than half of you, praise God. So stop running from him. Confess your sins to him. Repent. Turn away from those sins. Jesus died for those sins. 
and allow this, again, 2 Corinthians 1, this Father of mercies and God of all comfort, He wants to anoint you so that that person you think is annoying, they're just like you. You're only one step ahead of them. They just need someone that they believe is real, who really believes in a real Jesus, really believes in the Bible, and will walk it out. Why? They don't have the faith, the courage, and the strength to do so. So you need to be his ambassador to exemplify it to them. And they're going to be annoying. And guess what happens? After that test is over, what's that? There's another one! Okay? That, you know what? That's maturity. That's Christian maturity. Don't sit there, oh, yes, all the tests are over. Yes. Glory, hell, this ice cream party. Yes. No. You're going to have another one. Why? Because God loves you. And just like when you have babies, when you have children, you want them to keep growing, right? Don't you know that that's exactly how your Heavenly Father loves you and I? That's how it works. And as we as Christians want to embrace His power and strength, we need to understand these things. So, have brotherly love. It says, kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. And then verse 11 again. Know who you're serving. You're serving the Lord. You're not serving the people. You're serving the Lord by serving people. And that... That filter totally changes things. It takes it out of the hand of Satan and puts it in the hand of Jesus. Jesus, you are Lord. And because of that, and you're telling me and commanding me and expecting me and keeping me accountable, I need to cry out to you for your power, your grace, your strength. So we're going to close here. Can we get ready? Can we do like a closing song right now? We'll close. And during this time, you might want to worship. During this time... Maybe you want to cry out your heart to the Lord. But let's do this, though, before we partake of communion. If that's you, and God's word here, the power of his spirit spoken to your heart, not me, I'm just his representative. I've been through this test many times. I'm still going through my own. Why? Because he loves me, too. But if you want his help, if you want to be reminded that you need to have brotherly love, that you, you want to serve the Lord, but you've got to do it through His grace, His power, His strength. If you want others to pray for you during this time, we're all going to worship. And if you want prayer, I'm going to simply ask you to stand where you are and that others can gather around you to pray. Okay, so I, I saw that a whole bunch of hands went up. You know that the Lord is speaking to you about it. So stop running. Just embrace His grace, His love, His power. And again, we didn't go to church. You don't go to church. I wish we wouldn't coin that phrase in America. That's unbiblical. The church is you. Born again Christians. It's not the building. Jesus died for the people, not the place. Amen? So we're not going to church. We want to be the church. And it's the body of Christ. It's Christ Himself that he wants to love you. He wants to help you so that you can overcome these things, so that you can do these things through his grace, his power, his strength. So as we pray to end, and as we um, finish this time with the song, before we partake of communion as a church family, if you want prayer, again, praise the Lord, we already have someone standing up. If you want prayer, though, you can stand up, and we'll simply pray for you. Amen? Father, we thank you for this time. 
We ask, Lord, can you please help us, God? Some of us have been running, just running from one person, one problem to another. And we know within our heart of hearts, we're running from you, Lord. Help us to stop running from you. And as Christians, those that confess you, Jesus, as our Messiah, as a Savior who died on the cross for all of our sins, the only way to be rescued from the fires of hell and to gain access, entrance into heaven, to be adopted by you, to be able to truly call you our Father, it's only through Messiah, Jesus. We believe that. We turn away from our sins. But we find now, Lord, our eyes are open to so many things now. You've given us a new life, a new beginning, a new hope, a new way just to follow you. And you love us. You love and chasten those whom you love, Lord. And we see that, God. And we see the interpersonal problems that we have nowadays, Lord. They seem to, no matter where we turn, they seem to be all around us. Help us to see, God, it's, it's actually you. That you're putting us around people. Because you love us. You want to change something within us. We need your grace. We need your power. We want to be reminded of your love so we could have brotherly love with others. So we could, in honor, give preference to one another. And remind us that we serve you, Jesus. But we need help. We need your strength. Please empower each of us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.